0: Welcome to Lumiant Live. I'm your host, Mark Ackroyd. Lumiant Live is the podcast for advice professionals that believe in a values based advice experience, but still have that question how does it all work? We connect listeners with other advice professionals to hear best practice client stories or business examples and lift the lid on how they made it happen. Now, on to today's episode. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Lumiant Live. I'm thrilled to be here with you today. Uh, I'm your host, Mark Aykroyd, and joined uh, today by Tom Frisby from DMW Strategic Consulting. Uh, Tom, g'day, lovely to meet you or lovely to have you on the podcast. How are you? G'day, Mark. (laughs) I'm doing
1: okay. I'm doing Okay. Uh yeah, it's a good day. It's uh, the Monday after Easter, and uh, you know, long weekend always puts a little extra bounce in your step for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't think of a better time to hit record on this. You're, uh, you know, yeah. energetic, ready to go, and and you know, I'm already um, sort of jazzed to to get into this conversation with you because absolutely. every time we have this conversation, um, the ideas and thought bubbles just. Uh, sort of flow on afterwards so I'm looking forward to taking that into my week but Tom you know obviously clearly we have an established relationship but uh, people within our Lumion live audience may not know you how about we just start with tell us a little bit about yourself and and DMW Strategic Consulting and uh, and we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So, um I've been I've been kicking around this industry forever. <laughs> I haven't really done much else. Uh, actually, well, I'm turning 56 this August and um I finished university when I was 24, so I'll let you fill in the blanks from there, but I I I had one job for 18 months after I was out of university and I've been kicking around in this industry ever since. So in my time, I've uh uh, I, I've done just about everything an advisor could do uh, on the retail side um, because uh, so but I haven't wholesaled or anything like that so I've been an advisor run my own business um, I helped run a branch for a while and then um, I uh, was looking for a new challenge and got got into sort of the consulting side of things here and and my intention and certainly the intention of, of Dennis and I here over it. DMW Strategic Consulting is. We believe advisors deserve better, and we believe clients deserve better, and so we're all about helping people find opportunities for innovation to accelerate and improve their business for themselves, so they can have a liberated and and you know better life, but then also be able to deliver that same experience for their uh, for their clients uh, themselves. So in that way, uh, you know, I've got a little secret. Uh, I, I love this industry. I love this business. I love everything about it. And, uh, the, um, what I, what I've done since I got into the consulting side of things is I, I always live a little bit vicariously through my clients. So, you know, when I see them starting to get some traction and create some results for themselves, whatever that might be for their, for their business, I just, I just take that little bit of extra pleasure in it because, uh, you know, I can almost see myself in that. So, <clears throat> so yeah. It's uh, it's neat. Love love the industry, and and it's really nice to be here talking to you about it today. Thanks, Tom. Well, yeah. Look, we're we're gonna hopefully
0: uh, touch on. I don't know. I did the maths, you know, and looking at your age, ten years <laughs> ten, ten years industry experience. Surely you, you can't yeah. be that old. But uh, mate, uh, so you know we, we've got Dennis on another episode, and you guys are business partners there. Um, it'd be great just to, to sort of shape that just in case um, our audiences listen to Dennis's episode first, maybe a little bit about how you guys play off against each other, because you both have different skill sets, right?
1: Yeah, we do. We do. Um, it's, a, it's a real kind of a yin and yang thing, right? The things that De- Dennis is is really, really talented at and, and almost has a natural gift for it would would horrify me and keep me up at night. And, uh, you know, he he said the same thing about what I do. So, he he is um he, so we're because we're all about um uh helping people innovate and and impact them through uh, through that uh he he does that in in a public forum right so he's he's a professional speaker he keynotes and and does smaller group presentations uh, if we have workshops that, that are required, he, he'll typically be delivering those. And um, so he, he can get that message and thought leadership out to uh, a mass audience. And, and then what I do is, is I, I work with individuals, uh, individual advisors, their businesses, their teams uh, to make that same impact message. But in terms of the practical application of getting it into their to their business, but not only sharing those ideas with them, but working with them to make sure that things get integrated so they can actually make some serious shift and improve whatever it is about their business that they're, they're looking to make better. So we scan we work across the spectrum from what would be, you know, I guess, considered traditional practice management type things. Um, I take a particular focus in terms of uh, improving the uh, efficiency of of an advisor's business, but not at the cost of, but at being able to then benefit increased client service delivery. And so uh, but but then, where we've been spending the last few years is is uh, in in what's called or termed the experience economy. And so, without getting you know kind of into the details of that, essentially, it's 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 about uh, moving from the the realm of service, that is delivering advice and plans for clients into a, a place where uh, an advisor becomes more of a guide to deliver memorable, meaningful interactions uh, with their advisor as it relates to their their um, general life state. And And that would then, we call that a transformation. So we see, that the, the, uh, advisor of the future, that's a commonly used phrase, but the advisor of the future is as, as the role has always shifted, you know, if we look back to not too, too long ago, but certainly when I was getting started in the business, it was still very transactional, right. And then planning and advice became more important. Retaining clients became more important. And now, you know, both advisors in terms of, of, um, Having challenge and, and feeling good about what they're delivering to clients. But then also the increasing demands of clients, we're seeing that, that, that there's more needed. And, and so clients are looking for an advisor that will be getting more integrated into their living out of, of a best life. I mean, doing the planning and acquiring the wealth and, and, you know, whatever that means for someone, but moving towards all those, you know, kind of traditional financial planning outcomes that are, you know, generally goal related, that's one thing. But the question that's always there to be asked is what's next? It never gets asked rarely, but, but, you know, if, if you've got, if you're going to be successful from a planning perspective, right, you've got it laid out over the next five, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, whatever. That's all fine and well, but once that's addressed, where does that relationship go from there? Well, for the advisor that, that's willing to ask it, what now, or what's that money or that wealth or that, that success going to mean to you, that starts to open up a really interesting conversation about how someone's approaching the living of their life. Not that you want to get into the psychology or counseling business, but certainly coaching starts to become a part of what that relationship can look like, and that's where we see such a natural fit with that evolution of the advisor's role with Lumiant, is because Lumiant, um, you know, delivers the traditional table stake stuff around planning, you know, with a solid, solid ethic and and deliverable there, but then it starts to open up those other parts of the conversation about the client's values, how they're living their life, you know, are those things aligned and then being able to more importantly, track the personal progress using technology that each client's making. So it doesn't become this onerous burdensome one-off stuff that an advisor has to do to keep current and on track with their client. But it, but they, they use the two, why not? That's what technology is great for keeping track of things. So not only were you, you know, you're, you're able to keep track of the financial plan and the outcome potentials there through, through Lumiant, but you can also then start to have this conversation about, you know, what does your best life look like? And, and not, not that you're, uh, know all the answers that's in fact the exact opposite of what you know the less you know the better you're just there to be a sounding board for the client a bit of an accountability partner and you know bringing them back to what they feel is important um you know when they when they have their reviews with you and if that's important to get back in touch with their goals around financial planning every six months why wouldn't it be just important for them to get back in touch with their values and their best life approach every six months as well as part of that. And that then becomes the new value proposition for the advisor is advisor and coach, not just this dispenser of advice. Yeah. And you know, it's even, even today, it's, you know, it's funny we're having this conversation. Well, it's not funny. We're having the conversation, but it's, it's funny that this came across my email today in the light of us having this conversation today, JD powers put out a, a survey result today. I'm going to read right off it. Cause I haven't fully digested it all yet, but essentially what it's, it's doing is that, that full service, full service firm satisfaction from clients has declined for, for a second straight year. It's down 17 points of satisfaction over last year. And what they're linking this to is that advisors are too much of their value that a client perceives. Now that's not how the advisor sees what they're delivering, but it's all about perception. So in terms of what the client is perceiving, too much of that relationship is hinged on performance of markets and investments. Therefore, It's a perfect correlation that if markets are in a tough spot, the satisfaction with their advice channel relationship is going to be in a tough spot, right? And, you know, we all know, and every advisor I ever talks to knows that we can't control the market, and they all know that the the ultimate determination of success with financial planning is sticking to the plan. So if we know all of these things and it's all about time in and not you know timing and all this kind of stuff if that's what it's all about how is it then that their clients still see that their value with them is linked to the performance of their investments it's crazy it doesn't make any sense so here's the here's the conclusion from um Uh, Tim Riemann, head of wealth services at J.D. Power. Advisors cannot control the ebbs and flows of the market, but the good ones help their clients plan for their best futures and deliver value in the form of comprehensive advice that should shine through in all market conditions. Best life. Where's the value? If you're if you're not, as an advisor, if you're not leading the change in the conversation or the narrative of what a successful life means, then you're going to leave it to the client. And if it's left to the client, they're going to make their own decisions and perceptions that you have no control over. So you're better to be controlling the narrative and using tools that help you manage that client relationship and all its facets in a better way.
0: I think that, I think you raise a really good point there, right? Because it, this is about managing client perceptions, and to do that, you can control the narrative. You create the environment that forms the perception for the client. Tom, in your experience, how do you how do you work with practices to to sort of control that narrative or control their focus per se?
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's a good question. So, yes, it's important to be able to control the narrative and, and be in charge, right? and and i've got a story about that but um, but the important thing is to then be able to have tools and support to deliver on it because the worst thing a client can ever find is what i call the veneer effect if a client thinks they're 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 buying you as quote unquote real wood and you know they they there are all these promises or all these 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 possibilities in the relationship and none of it ever evolves that's veneer and, you know, anybody that thinks they bought real wood and find out that it's actually veneer, well, you know, it's a bit tough. But, but it, it reminds me of a, of a um, when I got into the industry, I had, a, I had an uncle who was, who was very successful at, I guess what we call here in Canada, Wirehouse. And, and I remember him, him saying to me, um, you know, wherever you go in this industry, don't forget this, he said. If somebody is across the desk or the table from you, They're there because they're waiting for you to tell them what to do. So that was an important message in a transactional environment, which, you know, he kind of grew up in. However, if you apply that to where we've been going here, um, they're they're waiting for you to guide them to that next place, right? They're, They're waiting for you to show them the value, right? It's up to the advisor to be the leader in this. So where we look at this with, with um, you know, an, an individual client is, is we start to, to find out what their client narrative typically looks like. And, and that shows up in, in a few different spots. The, f- the first one is literally the first hello. I call it the first hello. You know, it, it, if you're not starting to uh, make the impression of what you're about and what you do for people and the, the breadth or sort of the comprehensiveness of that, when you first say, for instance, get, a, get an introduction or a referral to somebody and you call them, um, it can start then. The first, first impressions are made, right? And, and, and then, of course, uh, you know, a first meeting with a new client, what does that look like? What, what is that? Is the advisor making sure that they, they are fully and completely communicating how and what they do and why for a client? So the client understands what they're choosing to become a part of. That's different than selling them on becoming a client. You know, most successful advisors, as I say to them all the time, I said, I have no problem. I I, I fully Believe and appreciate that you can sell anybody anything. That isn't the issue. The issue is, do they know and are they making the right decision about what they're becoming a part of, what you actually do and deliver? So, you know, if people are going to, if an advisor is going to be making statements like that to somebody in a first meeting, well, then of course, that's going to force us to look at what value they're actually delivering. So that's when we start looking inside the business and, you know, lift the hood a little bit and and see what's going on in there. And, you know, we, 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 we can look at that, that how they're giving advice, where it begins, where it ends, um. How, uh, how they uh, look to engage and carry the conversation beyond just the kind of defined variables of when you're going to pay your loans off or your house off or when your kids are going to school. But starting to, you know, as, as uh, this uh, Tom Riemann fellow J.D. Power pointed out, um, you know, start starting to become more indispensable because you're getting into those vulnerable spots, right? I, so maybe, uh, you know, just, just to make a quick point here, I, I, within the last six years, I lost both my parents, one during COVID, not COVID related, one during COVID and and one just pre COVID. And I know for an absolute fact that what was on their mind when they, when they died wasn't what they had in their bank accounts. It was about the life they'd lived. So the function of planning, we know statistically, will create a success pattern for a client, right? What l- waits to be determined is is that person going to live out or they a, a meaningful best life, as Lumiant would call it, or are they going to find themselves at middle age in this place of quiet desperation, you know, realizing that time is running out? And understanding that, yeah, you know, I missed out on a few things because I was you know unaware, not focused and and so forth. I mean, <clears throat> my father-in-law recently retired in the last uh, 10, 10 or twelve years, and I asked him, as I started looking at the value his advisor had had been providing him for over thirty years, and said, "When did you ever have a conversation about what is it was going to look like when you retired?" And when along the way did you ever have a conversation about making sure that you were living out your, your life aspirations, right? And that's where we shift from service to aspiration and and experience is that when you can have a client become reflective and you don't need to know the answers. You're just asking the questions, right? And, and being reflective and, you know, making a shift or a change. That's a transformation. Transformation doesn't mean that, you know, the clouds and that part and the light comes down from the heavens. That's not what it means. It's just these little shifts that make life better. And for an advisor to be a part of that beyond just delivering solid financial advice and the, and the framework that creates, you know, a, a solid financial footing for a client through their lifetime. I mean, that's a hell of a gift. I don't know any other professional in their life that can be in such a privileged place. So, so that's, so that that's, so where does it show up? It shows up, you know, at the first phone call, certainly the first meeting, but then, you know, as you go through onboarding a client, you know, are you demonstrating what you're actually there to do? Right. So, Um, And and then review meetings, of course, if you let those over time just degenerate into, you know, conversations about asset allocation and markets, well, you know, I, I guess you become a victim of your own sort of self right so
0: i I know (laughs) i know you have a a personal theory or a personal view on the review meeting maybe stay there for us because you know we we see great values-based advisors you know flip that meeting on its head talk to it about it talk about it as a progress meeting you know in your view what needs to change with the old-fashioned review meeting and and how do you make it more relevant
1: yeah so I, I think the, the the first place to start, and this isn't this isn't through semantics, by the way, by by any stretch, but but literally looking. So, you know, you asked me how is it that you start to differentiate yourself or change that narrative or conversation with the client? So, you know, once we look at the contact points where those those things can be um uh, opportunities to to start changing the narrative. You also have to look, the advisor has to look inside their own business and start asking themselves a really hard question to answer. What do I actually do? What business am I in? And, And you're not allowed to include financial advice in your answer anywhere. Okay. And then, you know, if you answer that, so it's a bit of a Socratic method. So if you you ask your answer, answer that, and then you ask yourself why again, and keep drilling down on that until you get to, you know, a really kind of values-based essence of your own practice or business. Now you're getting somewhere. So for example, I mean, uh, that one one advisor, I remember I I took them from, Oh, we do uh, you know, tactical market analysis to make sure the portfolios are solid and squared away down to down to going through that method down to we're in the peace of mind business. That's why that's how that manifested. That was their attempt at bringing someone peace of mind. So if we can now expand their own conversation about what peace of mind could mean for a client, we could go beyond tactical portfolio management. I mean, still do it, be great at it. But what, are, what, what now can, can you know, evolve that for you and your clients in terms of peace of mind? Well, peace of mind, how about taking away some of the anxieties in you know, life, right? And just checking in. So now back to your question about the review, I change the name of it. You know, if you're all about peace of mind, I don't know, call it something like the peace of mind check-in or the peace of mind checkup or the uh strategy update. I mean, review that's looking in the rearview mirror. It's already happened. Like, what are you doing? You know, advisors should always be looking forward, right? They they all get frustrated by their clients fixating on past market performance, right? So, why, why are you calling this a review meeting? What do you expect? You know, change the name of it to what it should actually be representing in terms of you and your client checking in with each other once in a while. What, what, what do you want? If you had one hour to deliberately construct an experience or an interaction with your client around what you do, what you're actually about as a business, what would that hour look like? Just have some fun with that and see what comes of it. It doesn't mean every idea has to be a good one, but have some fun with it. You never know, right? I mean, a great one. I mean, I've looked at many, many review meeting agendas with clients of clients of mine over the years. And I have to tell you that more often than not, the word goals review does not exist on those agendas. Just as a basic. And then if you are in, you know, using the example of the peace of mind business, you know, where where in that agenda are are you checking in with the client's peace of mind, right? Are you feeling heavy? Are you feeling light? Are you feeling in the zone? Why? What's going on? What are you doing in your life that makes you feel in the zone? If you're in the zone now, when you don't feel in the zone, what are you doing, right? And start to help them find their own patterns. Like I said, I just asked some questions there. I don't know the answers. I'm not the client. They know their own answers. I, I just need to know some questions that help guide them to find some answers. And it's not I, I the love old, it. that permission. it's not the old, Oh, I know the question because I know the answer routine. Yeah. No, it's I'm genuinely asking you a question that's open for you to answer. I mean, it's your deal, not mine. <laughs> it's giving, giving the advisor and
0: their practice. Because I assume that'd be a great team-based activity, but giving you permission to think outside of the the construct that we as an industry have built up for so long.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, cl- clients uh, clients really uh, like it. I mean, I, I can't tell you I've, I've had more often than not that's sort of one of the one of the uh, coaching slash consulting pieces I'll do, you know, depending if it comes up in the situation with the client around, around, you know, I I just, I'm stuck with this review meeting stuff, you know, say, okay. Well, you know, try this question and, you know, I'll give this out for anybody that's listening here. Try this question at some point. Hey, you know, we've got these goals. We've got the plan working on, you know, I'm just curious. Once we get all these things done, what's that going to do for you? And just sit with that and see what comes. More often than not, I've had advisors come back and say, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea. And the client just opens up. I mean, you've already got their trust. You're already in the inner circle, right? The circle of trust. You're already in there. They don't mind being a little vulnerable. You just need to give them an an appropriate avenue to, to explore that a little bit. I mean, it's still completely related to their money. And their are wherewithal and, you know, all the rest of it. Um, and, and so, you know, I, th- I think one of the things I find is that people, advisors will become afraid or, or are uncertain or have some trepidation about having these kinds of conversations with people, right? Sure, because fair it's enough, not.
0: I mean, it's not norm. Like, it's not their norm. No.
1: Yeah. No, it's not the norm. You know, and, and, but I think, and, you know, certainly you can, you can jump in a bit here, but, you know, as, as you start to expand people's awareness of what's possible with a client relationship via Lumion, I mean, what do you hear when they start opening up that dialogue with the client? What, what, what kind of, how do they respond? Well, I mean, in terms of how it impacts the relationship.
0: Correct. So, I mean, what, what what I think we're articulating here and, and I'll, I'll get to you, I'll get to answering your question in a moment. But what I think we're articulating here is it almost feels immersive for the client. And I use that word quite deliberately because the questions that you ask and now now to answer your question, the questions I say great Lumion advisors ask, immerse people in their story right? Their own individual yeah. story, right? Tell me what that looks like. Tell me who you're doing it with. Tell me who you're doing it for. Tell me what feels
1: good, right? Yeah. Oh, and that, that's, that's, that's amazing because um, even our best friends generally don't ask us those things. They're just happy for us that we're happy and that we're doing something cool and, you know, da 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 da. But, you know, those deeper aspects that we may not even invite ourselves to ask ourselves, it's important to have a context for why we do what we do. It's important to have a context for our money. Money is just energy in motion, right? And if you wait until you're 65 or 60 or whatever your magic time is, what have you missed out on? See, light, it's too bad about regrets. So, you know, when we look at the dynamic of experience and how that evolves as you become or uh, choose to, to engage your client in, a, you know, sort of a deeper level, you know, it reminds me of this um, uh, sort of um, sequence, if you will from branding to experience. And, and, and so marketing, I'll, I'll just quickly run through it because it might resonate with some folks to help understand where, where we're going with this conversation, right? So most advisors, you know, have branding and marketing sort of figured out. They've either hired some people or, you know, someone's built them a website or some marketing stuff and asked them some questions. And, you know, maybe they've got it right. I don't know. <clears throat> so marketing is 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 sort of the corollary would be asking someone on a date, Branding is why they say yes, and experience is is why they stick around and come back for more. So it's it's that intangible aspect that makes time well spent and memorable. So back to your point that you were just making, if you're helping the client understand themselves better as it relates to their money and what they can do with it and why, Come on, that's about as personal as it gets. And that is the hollowed ground for any trusted advisors to be in that zone where you're creating that. So so that the whole review meeting thing isn't about getting the meeting done and, and going through the motions of the meeting. You're looking to create some time well spent for someone. That is the measure of your review meeting is if it's time well spent. And therefore, it's memorable for the client, and it it doesn't it, it's th- those intrinsic things that make them want to keep coming back for more, and that's the connection that creates a long term re- relationship where the client is is seeing value beyond you know as the survey would show us what the markets are doing right that the value is enduring because anything that goes on in the markets is temporary. You know, as a um, great industry pundit, Nick Murray, he's he's kind of older now, not a lot of people know him anymore, but he used to say at any given day, any given fund manager can be shooting the lights out or bleeding into the carpet and we have no idea when it's gonna happen. So, you know, it's just completely unpredictable. What can you control? You can control knowing what you're there to serve people for as your business, right? What its intent and purpose is, and then how you engage people, your clients who have become a part of that and making sure that you're delivering on that brand promise, if you will. It's like Seth Godin said, great, great. This is the simplest definition of, of, uh, you know, um, brand branding and, and, and delivering on your prize. That's all it is. Make a promise and show up every day and keep your promise. So if you understand what your business is there to do for people, it's, it's that deeper purpose, right? Then you just, you show up every day and try and do a little bit more to, to, to honor that and keep your promise to, to the people that have, have chosen you as their trusted advisor.
0: The, the 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 couple of themes I'm picking up from this Tom in this conversation is it's a real shift in focus. So it's a real uh, yeah first things first when you work with practices or advisors, it's a real finding focus and finding clarity through the exercise you mentioned, but then shifting everything in, into the delivery of that focus um, and not just shifting. The services you provide, right? Because there yep. are there a there are uh, law of diminishing returns, right? There's only so many services you can deliver. Um, therefore, you know the Rowie on that smaller. Therefore, you know as we've just found out, satisfaction is 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 diminished as well, right? Because there's only so many things that you can deliver there as well. Yeah. Um, but creating experiences and, and if I go back to immersive experiences that make you feel better is where where the magic happens, not only for the client, but for your business too, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And you know it's it's hard to cause see, experience staging isn't isn't um I mean, like anything else, it, it has some, um, you know, kind of rules of the road, but, but it's, it's really hard for me to say, oh, you know, here's an experience, go and try this one because all I'm sharing with you is a best practice. And, and to me, that's, that's, if you can rip off something I say here today and go and use it this afternoon without any context to whether it actually makes any sense for your business, that's a service best practice experiences are highly personalized to the business and how they want to stage that interaction with the client. So it's, you know, it's kind of hard to, uh, to, to, you know, come up with specific examples without having, you know, a kind of a real business to look at and and work it out with. But suffice us to say, while services are becoming commoditized, and that is a trend in our, in our industry, our beloved industry, um, It, it, what it does when commoditization takes place is—it's is a brilliant opportunity for innovation, and innovation is, the, is the, the heart and the lifeblood of all business and all industry. So there's no middle ground. You're—you you are innovating, or you're not and stagnating. And if you're stagnating, it's you know dead and dying. If you're innovating, it's green and growing, right? So it's, it's about evolving and, 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 and staying, you know, with the curve at least. You know, not everybody likes to be ahead of it. I totally understand that. You know, I'd probably be one of the, you know, in the herd types myself, maybe a bit on the edge. But uh, the, the point being is that, that, you know, as services get commoditized, it does provide an opportunity for innovation. And the best place to innovate is with what you've already got. You don't need to be going and looking for better social media tools and all the rest of it. If you've already got some established clients, you've got everything you need to be able to influence and impact and innovate around the experience that you provide for those people over and above your your planning, right? So there is one tip if someone's looking for it is, is take your planning continue to develop and be be a better planner, be a better financial professional, right? It, it, because something's been commoditized doesn't mean it isn't important anymore. All that means is that the value focus is shifting, okay? Like raw commodities of oil and gas, for example, are still highly important and getting them out of the ground and delivered places is still highly important, but they're commoditized, Right. So services of financial planning is still highly important and you need to, you know, continue to refine, get your CFP, do all that stuff. But then the the next question is, you know, what, what, what are we doing on that platform of the advice? And there's, there's that one question, you know, once we, once this plan comes to fruition, right? We're using your money wisely. We're being tax smart. We're working on some goals, you know, some to-do list things to get out of the way. But, you know, once all that's done, what is that going to do for you? How is that going to make you feel? Right? What will that do to make your life better? right? There's three examples of the same question. And just see what that does for your client relationship in terms of, you know, what they're willing to start talking about. I mean, one of the, you know, one, one, I can't share a story on that. You know, advisor came back and said, yeah, I I tried that out at my next review meeting. And it was amazing. It was amazing. First of all, they, they, this couple actually shared some things that, wouldn't have naturally come up in their own conversations together first of all which was powerful for themselves and the advisor too right um and and then secondly you would think that they would each have their own kind of i guess um personal satisfaction that they would get out of that and as it turned out in this particular example you know, the, the, the husband had been made redundant at, at work a couple, a few pre, this was pre COVID. And, and so with COVID hitting, hadn't really been able to bounce back and the, his wife was, was still employed, had some flexibility in terms of her earning potential and had really been, you know, burning it to, to, you know, make up and compensate. So they didn't have to sacrifice on some of these, these, these aspirational things that they wanted to get to in their later life. And, you know, he said that the the best thing for him when it's all done is that that she would be able to pack off a bit and 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 you know sit back and be proud of you know what she'd helped create. And so it was selfless. It wasn't about him. He he realized the sacrifice she was having to make. And you know, he didn't expect to be kind of down on on his luck forever. But but you know, at that point in time that was really on his mind. And, you know, life happens while you're living it, right? Best laid plans aside, life happens while you're living it. So that's part of the experience of financial planning too, is that life, life happens. And, you know, if you've got that kind of bigger context to your, your, the types of conversations you're having with your clients, you know, there's more fertile, fertile ground there for them to get value out of, um, you know, your, your, your guidance, your counsel, your sounding board, your perspective—whatever wh- it is that they feel they need out of you at that time—but you have to be willing to go there, I guess. And that's you know I'll I'll come back to Lumia. That that's you know one of the the the, the such the the brilliant feature there is that you you have a, a built-in bridge to start those conversations if if somebody is looking for something to kind of lean on to be able to do that right um as opposed to you know sort of maybe having the the uh well i'll call it canvas yeah Yeah. yeah, to 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 go and you know say those words knowing that you may not have an answer for what comes (laughs) next right takes a bit of courage to do that tom um there's,
0: there's one, one theme that I've been picking up as you speak about this that I'd love to unpack uh, before we ask you to, to maybe choose one of your values, Carl. Oh, yeah. Let, us, sure, know, let sure. us know a little bit about yep. yourself. But um, the theme I'm picking up, you actually use the word when talking about the client there, but one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm hearing from you, I heard it a, a lot from Dennis as well, and I'm going to invite you to comment, is there is a distinct reframe, for lack of a better term, of the power in the relationship between advisor and client from what you guys are talking about. And I will frame it in a way where it almost feels like you are coaching us to acknowledge that the customer is making a sacrifice in in coming to work with you. And Mm -hmm. you need to acknowledge that as the advisor because um, it's on you then to create and experience
1: that is worthy of that sacrifice
0: yeah am i, am I right in saying that like can, yep. you, can you maybe elaborate that, yeah. that a little bit
1: yeah and and in fact um the the word sacrifice is a bit of a, a double meaning there and, and right. actually it, it is an opportunity without having to geek out on you know kind of what you know experience versus service means and all that stuff Well, permission to geek out if you go down there Uh, But this is a really, this is like a great starting point, right? This is a great first step is understanding this concept uh, or framework of, of, of what's called in experience design, we call it um, customer sacrifice. And the definition of customer sacrifice in this context is the gap between what somebody wants and what they have to settle for. All right. So if a client and there, you know, there is study and, and there, there's, there's lots of, of stuff in the, in the uh, financial industry press, if if people choose to look for it, that supports that certainly younger generation of clients, but also, you know, people in the boomer era and, and uh, you know, certainly uh, uh, Gen Xers like myself, uh, the slackers, uh, we, we, we are expecting and demanding more, right? So if people look, at how they're spending their own money. So anybody that's listening right now, if you think about how and where you spend your own money in you know, all facets of your life, people are starting to expect more of an experiential interaction with how they spend their money, right? So um, you know, we, we don't buy as many uh, kind of big ticket things anymore, per se we'd be more inclined to spend our money on a family vacation that would create memories for a lifetime. And that's the incentive behind it, right? Whereas we know that, oh, you know, a motorhome that we're going to use, you know, twice a year. that uh, Yeah, we can make some memories, but you know what? Going to, I don't know, somewhere, interesting and you know that the kids and you know all the stuff we can have together it's the experience people want right so if society in general mark is spending more money on experiences and fast company had an article in 2021 because you know obviously in the pandemic experience was key and they were estimating get this that by 2030 on the global stage there would be 30 trillion dollars spent a year on experiences. That's a staggering amount of money. Staggering amount of money. So if people then who are your clients back to talking to advisors are spending and expecting more of their money and and their time and their engagement around experiences, does it stand to reason that they might expect that from their financial advisor too at some point? (laughs) Something that is more memorable, something that is more personal, something that is more aspirational, that helps me become a better version of myself, not just helps my money compound and multiply. Because at the end of the day, that's what the money is about, right? So back to customer sacrifice. So if, they, if that's what people want, they want to live a best life. That's their aspiration. And money money helps that, right? It does. It's, it's the vehicle. It's the gas for the engine. It, it doesn't mean that money makes it, but it sure helps, right? It facilitates. If that's what people want. Then you have to look at what they're giving them and if they're making your their choice because you're the best option that moves them towards something that you're not actually delivering but you're the best option of those that aren't well, I think there's some room for improvement there <laughs> so so that so here's the challenge then is is that in understanding what your clients want then you look at what you're offering and just ask yourself how can we take a couple of steps towards what they actually want so we're not here anymore and we're here reduce the customer the moment that you do that you become more experience oriented and that's once again it that's where lumian fills that gap brilliantly right so
0: tom i'm uh, i'm so grateful for your your time and your energy today we're going to ask you now to, to maybe just shift a little bit for okay. us. Um, sure. And, and I'm going to pop up on the screen here um, our 16 value statements. Yes. You got them there? Yes. Great. So um, before we wrap up today's episode, like we do with any of our industry experts, I'm going to ask you to share with the audience. Yep. If you would pick one of these. What is the statement that most resonates with you, and why did you pick that? Why is that most important to you?
1: Yeah. Um, oh, that's pretty easy. Nurture my relationships. Okay. And the the reason that's important is, and and when when I think of relationships in that context, it's more sort of my my nuclear and immediate family, and um, you know the the reason being is i you know I've I just due to my age, I've had a few, you know, witnessed a few um, death experiences with grandparents and parents and things like that. And my wife uh, works with um, can- female cancer survivors as well, so she she's seen her her fair share of that as well over the years. And what 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 she and and me, what we've learned is is that. <laughs> The reflection points at the end of the day aren't aren't on on money, status, wealth, and all the rest of it. That the great equalizer is is that you're you're there reflecting on where you've been, what you've done, and quite often who you've done it with, and you don't want to regret who you didn't do it with. So there's nothing more dear to me than my my family, and uh, you know I think it brings back to me a, a quote that uh, from Maya Angelou. American poet. She said that I've learned that people will forget what you say. They'll forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So in terms of, you know, improving relationships, you know, at the end of the day, when I'm not here, that's uh, for my children, um, you know, and um, God willing, my wife, uh, that, how, did, how, did, how did I make them feel? And that that's my legacy. That's that's my legacy. It's, it, there's, you know, they, I could give them all the money in the world, but that is still what they're going to go back to. Tom,
0: well, on that note, mate, we'll, uh, we'll bring today's um, episode to a close. I'm extremely grateful for the time that you've spent uh, with us today. I'm sure the audience got a ton out of it. Just so you know, you've, you've made me feel inspired to, to do some more things that I think we could always be doing better around our experiences. But to sum it up for our audience, I'm going to sum up your, your points in, in three key points today. First and foremost, you shared with us, um, to ask that really intrinsic question of what does our client narrative look like here <laughs> and start there? We, we, we ended with a conversation around sacrifice. Mm-hmm. and acknowledging that, that sacrifice is the difference between what a client wants and what they settle for. But probably the the core point that you, you sort of extrapolated in a lot of what you said is marketing is, is you asking someone for a date, yeah. <laughs> branding is why they say yes, and experiences is why they keep coming back for more. I yeah, think why that's such a great Coming
1: back for more. Yeah,
0: yeah, I love that. So, yeah. Tom, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today and sharing all that wisdom. Uh, it's been an absolute blast, and uh, can't wait to keep working with you.
1: Oh, Mark, thank you. It's been a pleasure, and uh, I hope it I hope it goes well for anybody that's here, and they they were able to get something out of it to make uh, make their life and their business a better place. Thanks, Tom.
0: All right, take care now. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Lumiant Live. If you really enjoyed it, we'd love if you could hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast provider so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming
1: episodes. Thanks again for tuning in.